it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition 77 of Joe vs. the World. We are continuing an annual tradition, as we are recapping my guest's recent trip to Mexico. He is the mind behind the Lucha blog, the very first guest we ever had on this show, and a fan of the Chicago Cubs. He is the Cubs fan. Cubs, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I was first guest, and then they got better every episode from there. Pushaw. Because, no, well, you came on, you came back multiple times, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it went down a couple times, too. Good point. <laughs> yeah. We need, we'll get Mookie Gata to chart a graph to, uh, to get the exact numbers, but, um. Mm-hmm. You have you back on, you went to Mexico last year to see what most people assume would be the Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero, mask versus mask match, which did not take place. No. And, and then uh, I, just, I just stayed the ensuing 365 <laughs> days until they finally did it. I think my oh, process man. finally, it, it, it took, it took a while, but it, it, I think it, it was effective. <laughs> we, we talked, I asked you if you would be going back. You said you had so much fun, you were afraid the next time wouldn't be as good, so you're going to wait and see. And uh, when did you decide to go? What made up your mind, and how was this trip compared to last year? I, I made up my mind, I think, in August or July, because it was like, because people, other people were going, kind of needed to know if I was going or not, and to make their own plans. So I waited the last minute. I, I think, because by then, we knew that they were probably going to do Atlantis and Ultimo Guerrero again, and I thought I might as well see it, you know, give it a second try. I could actually see it this time. And I did have a fun time last time. I thought this would be, we'd get to see a couple different places and we get to hang out again. And, you know, when you're a fan of Ultra Libre on the internet, there are a few people you can talk to on the internet, but you're not really hanging out with Ultra Libre fans most of the time. So it's good. Just like people, like, one of the people, one of the reasons people are going to WrestleMania is that they get to hang out with all the wrestling fans. Same kind of deal going to the anniversary show. I suppose that's true. I remember going to a WrestleMania and being in the hotel, and every person you kind of ran across had a, a wrestling shirt on. You kind of had that unspoken bond, which I imagine was uh, would be even stronger trekking yeah. down to Mexico. Yeah, it, it, it's a much smaller group, enough that could just yes. be in one van, but it is a lot of people who are just very interested in the same thing. Happy to talk to other people about it. Now, I'm curious when you're um, when you're, you're at a show and you know you're surrounded by the usual fans. The people are like, "Oh, who are these folks?" Or are they just like, "Oh, whatever," you know, here to see Lucha. So, see, I, I, it, it depended on the show. I mean, when we went to the CML show, there were enough tourists there that we just looked like another bunch of tourists just because mm. we had a sign. But when we went to some of the indie shows and we were, there were like 20 people there or 400 people there even, we kind of stuck out a little bit more there. Also, okay, we, tended to get, we, we tended to get front and first and second row seats, so we stuck out anyways. I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you, uh, have you shown up on TV at all anywhere? Are you, since you upload these videos, are you pixel, uh, pixelating <laughs> I, yourself? I, I, I did not go through the effort of pixelating myself, but I am aware that I did show up on a couple of them, and I'm sure well, there's stuff that hasn't come out yet that I might turn up in. We all saw the uh, Pora Recometa sign. Yeah. Just no one, yeah, no one was, holding it up. Yeah, I was careful that I knew who was going to hold the sign and set the fires away from them, so I didn't make it on time. That, I didn't make it on screen <laughs> that time. But other times it was not as lucky. Man of mystery. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about that anniversary show. Um, when you knew they were going to do the Atlantis Ultimo Guerrero match, did did everything exceed your expectations, or did you did is this what you expected? Given you know the both guys have a combined half century or. Uh, it was, like, it was like 55 years at least having their masks or did it even blow away what you expected I think the match was a little bit better than I expected because I have low expectations for Ultimo Guerrero matches because he hasn't he, he's made a habit of not changing them up for the last decade or so but I think they did do a little bit more than I was expecting they did change the formula around a little bit but I think I was what really to my expectations was the atmosphere because people were just mm-hmm going crazy for that match, for all the near falls, even all the near falls that I think most of the people knew weren't going to actually end the match, but everything they were very into, and then they were just so emotional during the post-match. It, it was like, it, it was a scene that, I think the only thing compared to is when I went to the the Chicago Money in the Bank where CM Punk won the title and walked out. It was that kind of, it was that kind of, Atmosphere, but even more intense, and I think even more emotional than that one. I can imagine. Was anyone like sobbing in your row and 
Not my role, but in other sections. It was like there was no yeah. one sitting down at the end of the match. It was kind of, it was kind of crazy. Now I imagine you've gone back and uh, and rewatched this match. Um, I have not had the time to rewatch it. Really? I just when I got home, I was busy for that week. Just, I kind of one of the things that was going on when I was in here was someone close to me was moving their house, so I kind of had to go jump in and help them move the last few things last week. So wow. I'm way behind on watching everything. Oh, I see. I was just because uh, Steve Sims was fairly critical about certain points of the match. Um, on the last uh, figure four he was on, I didn't know if you would agree with him or if you thought the match held up. Not uh, yeah, the being uh, removed from that atmosphere. Yeah, I, I, I saw his points that the especially the finish probably should have been more of a struggle than it was. Mm-hmm. That it was kind of they went beat, 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 and just there was not. Ultimately, didn't hold on too long, and also ran right into Atlantis, Atlantida. But I thought, just from the first time viewing, I thought it felt like it was at the right moment in the match, and that that I think people were happy with the length of how it went, at least live. But I'll have to go back and watch it later on, and I'm sure I will. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, the, the place just seems so bonkers for everything. It just seems like... You know, like, it's just kind of nitpicking, you know, given the the whole overall presentation. Right, right. I, I, I think I think that crowd would have been happy with any match as long as they got the, the mask at the end, but I think they delivered a match worthy of the mask being on the line. Uh, now, given this was uh, CMML, uh, CMML was very talked about for about a week or so. It seems everyone was raving about this match. It was, of course, available online. Uh, do you think this has any shots of uh, making a dent in the year-end awards? I, I think it might be something where it gets. I forget how many people, how many you vote for those, but you know, like if it's top three, maybe get some consideration from the like it's third place or uh, maybe top ten as for match of the year. But I, I think there's, it, I think it'll get more attention than. It would have otherwise if it just had if it hadn't aired on the internet and hadn't been online the next day. But I think because of the volume of the WWE and the New Japan, that's probably just not gonna go. Yeah. Too, it's not gonna get too far. It's just it just that it even even when a match gets very hyped, there are a lot of matches that get very hyped nowadays. That is quite true. Uh, and the anniversary show as a whole, how do you? How do you feel about the structure of it? I thought, you know, the the I thought the second half was all great stuff. I didn't think anything was too bad on on the first half, but I remember the Atlantis Fiano three mask match. That whole show was great up and down. They had, you know, the sixteen man Cibernetico with a bunch of undercard guys, a lot of whom went on to do big things. And in fact, Ultimo Guerrero won that match. Would it make more right. sense to do that than a, than a woman's Atomico, or are we just asking too much from CMLL to do something thought out like that? I think at some level we're asking too much. On the other, I think they're just, they have their guys that they wanted to push. They For whatever reason, that week they really wanted to get behind Thunder, so we had to have a Thunder match. I, I, I don't think, I think there were so many different guys thrown out there that I'm not sure if anything but um, Kevin Error really got over, but I think their idea was that they were going to push those certain guys. And so they weren't really concerned about having the good matches on the undercard, except for the Meta Cavernero. They just wanted to get certain people some attention. And mm. the, the, the problem is that crowd is such a crowd that the extra 14,000 people or extra 12,000 people who showed up for that card aren't the people who say, oh, wow, this Cavernero guy is really good. I guess I'll start buying tickets again. I, I think it's a long, slow process. And it's nice to get the young guys out there, but I don't think it really would have much of an effect in the long term. Yeah, it's. I, I guess I, I didn't think Thunder was all that bad in that match once he was able to get his shirt off. Yeah, I, I, I think they they did a good job of designing the match, so he would just only have to do certain things that made yeah. him look good. I think it, the yeah. problem is once you get back into normal matches, he's probably going to struggle a bit more. Mm. Yeah, I was unprepared for Valiente's bike shorts too, which um, yeah, no one no. else. <laughs> Tremendous. Did you, um, you, you met a bunch of people. It wasn't just like, hey, we went to shows. Like, hey, I had lunch with Flamita. Um, yeah. Know, some of it because some of it, um, some of the other people who went with had been talking with them on, um, Facebook or Twitter and got a hold of them. And some stuff, some stuff like Flamita just happened to be doing the Syracuse that day. So while people were waiting there to wrap up the show, we talked them into coming to dinner with us. So 
a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of if you hang around Arena Mexico and maybe like the two blocks around it, there's usually there's people who live in the neighborhood and people wandering the neighborhood that you you, you stand a good chance of just running into somebody. You may, may be unmasked, but you could run into people. And and some we just kind of we're followed so much that people know us already, so it, it's easier to make an introduction once you get up, get to the show. All right, and um, back to the show for a sec. Uh, Ray Cometa, who I really like, he's really talented. Is he just going to be the guy who puts Rudos over in a quest of matches? Is that his I think, I think so. I think he's peaked at this level where every few years when they need someone to do, uh, do a, a high-spot match and lose to someone, he's probably going to be the guy. But I, I, I think he, he's been pushing these high-profile positions, but he really should get, like, a trio or a tag team or just chase for a tile for a while. I think they've done enough to make him a bigger deal that they should take more advantage of it than every other year he loses his hair or his mask or something, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any thoughts what they're going to do next year for uh, for a big anniversary show main event? No, no that's a big mystery. That was, that was one of the big questions going around that week beforehand is what they possibly could do to follow this. And they didn't, they could always like put the Lances in their mass match, but it, it just doesn't seem like there's anyone ready for it or that the crowd be ready to see. They kind of started something with Mephisto this week, and a long time ago they were building the Mephisto versus Mystico, but I couldn't see, especially with the prices they were charging, I couldn't see them doing like 10,000 people with that. They're just, mm. they're either going to have to really scale back the prices, or they're going to have to pull some big match out of their hat, and both things are going to be tough for them to do. Mm. Do you think Atlantis will ever lose his mask? Is that just kind of... Is he just someone who's just going to keep it forever? Or will he at some point decide to cash out, drop it, and uh, and ride off into the sunset? Because he's got, I mean, he's a lot closer to the end than he is to the beginning by far. Yeah. He, there's really, like, I was thinking about this. There's only, like, two or three more days left in his career where he possibly could lose his mask, you know, the next three anniversary shows. It really, I think after yeah. that, he's going to be too old, and there's no other day you're going to bother to do that because it would cost you so much. So it may just be a situation of if they have the feud ready at the right time or if he gets injured at the wrong time, then maybe he's out of action and he never gets around to losing his mask. But I don't think CML is, has any feeling that they need to have him lose his mask in his last match. Like, how WWE obviously felt like they need to make sure Undertaker lost before he left. I don't see, see the same thing with CML. I think if he left and never lost his mask, they would be completely fine with that. Do you think CMLL would ever, you know, throw something out to, to Wagner or Parka to do something or, or Santo to have his last match? Because that, that was something kicked around, right, and throw Iho de Saltario in there. I, I, I think, I believe that Wagner and Park are on the never return list, that they will never, ever be allowed back. I, I can't, I, I, don't, I don't know if Santo is supposed to be on that list, and I think he probably is, but I think... It's going to be interesting because he's talking about retiring next year, and obviously that would be a time to bring him back one last time, and they could do – and CML would make money on whatever – if they promoted it as Santo's last appearance, they would make money on it no matter what Santo wanted. But I think mm. their principles of the thing – principles would probably persuade them that, well, we have enough money, we just don't want to deal with him. So I, 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 it's, it's tough because all three of those guys versus Atlantis would do – the same kind of business they did with Ultimo Guerrero, but I just don't think they want to do business with any of those guys. That is, uh, <laughs> like, I, I appreciate principles, but, like, you know, you're, you're stopping yourself from making money, so you really, yeah. you know, it's like like Vince McMahon, I'm sure, he he's had tons of grudges. He's taken everyone, almost everyone back, I should say. And, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, CML does what they do, and they're not changing, so, you know, may as well yell at the sky, but still. Yeah, I think the big difference is that, that even though Vince has a lot of money, I think the CML people have even more from other non-wrestling stuff, and I, I, I don't think, yeah. I, as much as people complain that Vince doesn't really like wrestling as much, I think CML people, the people in charge do not care about, care very, very, very little about wrestling, and so... It's a great story to bring Wagner or Park or even Santo back for his, like, last match, but I don't think the people who make those final decisions really are 
see that or care about that kind of story as much. Oh, do, do you think um, Alberto Del Rio ever had a chance of going to CMLL, or is he always destined to go back to AAA or go to AAA? What I was told, if I'm remembering the story, is that as soon as whatever went down with Alberto Del Rio and the social media guy, and as soon as the word started getting out, AAA was told to call Alberto immediately. So, mm-hmm. so if, if if AAA dropped the ball and Alberto was sitting around for a couple of weeks, then maybe CML would have wisened up. But I think AAA got in there so fast that there was really no shot that he was ever going to come to CML. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he just didn't. I don't think he would, he would have been a terribly good fit there. God, I remember Joe Scarves Jr. Oh yeah. Those, uh, all those. If you told me that guy would have been a decent success in WWE, I'd have been like, whatever. But I forgot what a giant he was back then. Yeah. I mean, he towered over. Like, like I don't know how, how tall you are, but are you surprised by that? Like, Flamita, I just think, is like a very um, pocket-sized individual. And yeah. Are you surprised by the size of most? I know most of like would you say most of them are in like the you know five six five seven five eight range as far as height goes? Yeah, would, certainly exceptions. Yeah, I would say most of them fit in that range. And and then those cars was like looked like he was seven foot five next to most of those guys. So <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, because to kill me at the, at the end, I guess he was doing what would become Alberto Del Rio as like a as a Rudo at the, the last few months in CML, but he'd be this giant guy running away from all the te- small technicals. It was so weird. Now, besides the anniversary show, you were at a wide variety of different shows. What was what was the mentality this year? Is it like just see every kind of wacky show we can in between the uh, around the anniversary show? It, it was somewhat of that. It was somewhat we had we got invitation to go to Cutthroat very early on before you even had commit before I had even committed to go on to the trip. So we knew we were going to that, and then it was or the other days we were trying to find out wherever we could find literally right because the way the holiday schedule worked and the normal calendar of events there were a lot of events on one day and then there were no there was almost no shows on the other days so we were kind of scrounging around to see which little show we could go to just so we could go see a show but we did get to see Chilinga Mass we got to see IWRG we got to see CML I think less times than we did last year but we got to see two good shows and we got to see a couple smaller shows in there too yeah. <laughs> Do you mean the old mini show you went to? Yeah, the, the, the weird, the, it's just a freak event that that all mini show just happened to be going on for Saturday were there. And that was an amusing thing to see. Even if the matches weren't good, it was like, see, Lucha Minis can be the most obscure people possible. So we got to see minis that had like a month, maybe two years worth of matches in 1995, 1996, come back for one last match. It was very, it was, it was a unique show. Wow. It is. Was it? Was there a football playing mini named Tackle? He, he, technically, because he was on the old mini show, he was a, he was a mini, but he was like by far <laughs> the tallest guy in the show. He, he, he and his opponent. So it seemed like the situation where maybe the people who helped organize the show got to have a couple of their friends on the show and pretend they were minis. But it was it was a, it was a guy in a football outfit with a football helmet touch mask, <laughs> even with the face mask in front. So that was good fun. <laughs> That's so, like, do they even play football, like, American football in Mexico? Very, very little. Well. It's like, <laughs> it's like semi-pro kind of thing, so. This, this is like if I had a cricket gimmick, like, ironically. Yeah. I'm just like, hey, I'm a cricket player, and they're like, oh my god, tackle, I love that. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it, I think a lot of times they start with the mask, and then they figure out, well, that looks like a cool for a mask, so I guess we have to come up with a gimmick with the rest of it, and kind of go from there. At this point, you're like a hundred years in. You're probably you, know, you got to come up with something. So hey, why not? Yeah, why not tackle? That <laughs> just cracks me up. Tackle. Yeah. Um, I mean, the uh, chameleon was there too, or chameleon. I popped so hard when I heard that. I'm like, oh man, you get to see chameleon. Yes, who's still on it? Oh, getting around on cane, sadly. Yeah, he was he was doing ring crew and he was hanging around the ring and it was, he was talking and people were coming up and talking to him. But we would have there's a lot of stuff we would have known if we had people there point us out. So, but it was cool to see. He seems since he's 
the guy who just never made it past the opener, he's almost a mini. He just he didn't rise to the mini <laughs> level. But, he, but spiritually, he fits in with the rest of the group. <laughs> oh, poor chameleon. Yeah. Uh, now, um, you also got on a lengthy bus ride. How did this get arranged? Was someone just like, hey, come to the show. You can ride on a bus with a bunch of luchadors for was, three hours each way. It was like, it was, I think, in July or something, we were told, oh, we're going to have the show. You're welcome to come on this bus if you want. And we had no plans for that day yet. And we thought, well, this is the one time. We would never actually drive to Ketsuro all by ourselves. So... Sure, let's go on the let's go on this bus and hope this goes goes well. And you know, we had no problems. The wrestlers were all in the back of the bus. We were kind of sitting up in the front of the bus with the promoters and the the, the non drinking people who were wrestling on the show. And it, mm. it was it, 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 we watched movies on the way there, and we just kind of hung out and watched more movies on the way back. So it was the show in between was pretty fun too. Um, it was probably I, I think the anniversary show was the best show we saw, but because. But the indie style they were doing on the Chillingham Mass show was pretty, it was a, it was a good time, I thought. Maybe the second best show we saw. Yeah, they pretty much, uh, like their, uh, PWG tapes, right? Yeah, they, they like their PWG uh, yeah. tapes and they like their CZW tapes and their ROH tapes. They like the YouTube generally too. Okay. Yeah. Good enough. So, uh, no Triple A shows running while you were, uh, down there, right? Or no? No. No. You play tapings. No tapings. We always, we ask about this and, and it seems like their idea is that they just can't run against the anniversary show because they won't get people to turn out. So they just take that week off all the time. But we were told that we should just come back for Triple Mania next year because we'll definitely see a Triple A show. I, I guess, I mean, is that, uh, cause you, you went to, I mean, you've been to Arena Mexico, you've seen anniversary shows, you've been to, IWRG, you know, Chilanga Mask, uh, yeah, a mini show. You've, I mean, is there anything left for you to see in Mexico? Like, you know, I got to check this off the list of something I need to see. We would have liked to see Arena Pueblo, but because the holiday was on Tuesday, they moved their Monday show to Tuesday, and we were someplace else. So that's the one arena of the major ones. I mean, unless we go all the way to like Guadalajara or Monterey, which is a pretty, both are pretty far away from Mexico City. There's just nothing else that's really close, but seeing a, a AAA taping, an actual AAA show, I think is the one big one that we haven't got to. Hmm. Yeah, Pueblo would be fun. That's a good stadium. We could watch a Blue Center match or something. Yeah, it, 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 looks, like it, it, it looks like it's a nice building for wrestling, and, and that's the different thing about Mexico is that there's still these buildings that were completely designed for boxing and wrestling events and have, like, the Tetro ring was completely built into the stadium, into the arena. It looks like the same <laughs> way in Pueblo. So it's like, this is just, you don't see that in the U.S., and I don't think you see it in Japan where it's just a wrestling arena, and it's it makes for a good sound and pretty good um, pretty good viewing of the show. And those are also things that probably are not going to be around forever. So it's good to see them while you still can. Yeah, no ring crew. It's just built in. So there yeah. you go. Just make sure the ropes are tight and you're all set. Yeah, when we got to the Ketero show, they didn't have to set up anything. They just kept – the first thing one of the guys did was try to look around and see what high place he could jump from for a spot later on. <laughs> so okay. that, that's, a, that's slightly different from indie wrestling where you have to set up a ring first. Yeah, you can. Then you have to decide where to jump. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness! Uh, now speaking of AAA, you were invited <laughs> to visit the AAA offices to meet. Did you meet with? Was it Dorian Roldan? Yeah, I, I, invited is, is a pleasant way of putting it. I was my presence was <laughs> requested after you know. Oh, okay. Some this things was, I might have said about some uh, certain promotion or certain TV show coming out in the month. It, it, they 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 didn't quite they weren't quite thrilled with what I had to say and they wanted to debate some of the points and explain what's going on in person so it kind of I, I didn't have to go but it was a really bad showing if I did not show go so I got to see AAA's offices and that was cool. <laughs> did you just get an email out of the blue like hey you better be here on this day? No, I, I got a Twitter DM so it was even better. Oh well, okay. <laughs> It, oh my God! It was a direct message for sure, and um, it, 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 and <laughs> it was asking me um when I would be available when I was in Mexico. So kind of worked it out from there, and um everything went 
everything went kind of better than I expected. This is more conversation and less a visit to the principal's office, which I was kind of worried about for a couple of days. <laughs> so, but, but, but just going around the offices, because AAA, if you watch AAA TV, whenever they have vignettes, they, like, 90% of the time, they're shot in some room in their offices. So it's kind of, like, see, weird seeing all the stuff you see on TV being <laughs> just walking through this, those same rooms and that sort of thing. That is so kind of – I mean, now the, the crux of it was um, the, the AAA, uh, the Lucha Underground show coming up, which we'll get to in a sec – but, I mean, did they just feel like, hey, this guy, you know, does English-speaking lucha. We need to make sure, you know, he he understands what we're trying to do. Uh, it, it wasn't as much as just because I do English language lucha, because uh, people were reading it, including people in the who, not just the AAA people, but the people involved with El Rey. And there was there was there was some oh. bad feedback. There was some unhappiness on all sides towards what I was writing. So. Uh, and apparently some changes going on after I had written some things. So they just wanted to further explain what was going on. So I would, so at least my, so they were happy, they were fine with me being cri- critical of the product, but they wanted me to know what I was talking about before I was being critical of the product, basically. <laughs> Maybe they should just talk to L. Ray and not, you know. Yeah. Oh, that, that isn't like, you know, not, not call in the third party. You know, communicator to you know get him in from the U.S. to straighten things out. That is ast- that's astounding to me. I cannot believe that. Yeah. Uh, oh it, my god. It was you know when you're sitting at, sitting in front of your computer and just typing stuff, and you kind of don't pay attention to the stats. And I don't even like look at how many Twitter followers I have or anything like that. It, it, it's weird to occasionally be reminded that people actually are reading what you're writing and have definite feelings about those things. So that's that was a good reminder of that. I guess so. <laughs> when the, I mean, this is this is like you know, if, if I was in England, and I had a blog about TNA, and I was coming over to the U.S. and Dixie Carter's like, I got to talk to you about this because you're saying things that are messing up our deals. It's just, I don't know, it's just it's mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling to me too. I, I, I think the thing that works in my benefit, if it's a benefit, is that like. Being one of the few people who actually writes a lot with Libre is that your words take on more um, importance than they probably should, to be honest. Mm. Well, you had, uh, you had Rob Viper there, too. And actually, I, I would be scared Rob would cause a scene, so I don't know if that was... <laughs> yeah, probably just start flipping deaths over. But when I'm t- t- yeah, but I can't tell Rob. I'm going to AAA offices, but you have to stay home. You can't, you can't go to the <laughs> whole thing of your favorite promotion and just see everything. You have to, you have to stay someplace else. I think he would have just kind of – he pointed out during the trip that, um, that AAA had never actually seen me or knew what I was looking like, looked like, so he was just – he could have just, you know, gone to the office instead of me and just pretended that he was me for the whole trip. But I talked him out of that. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that would be that would be some uh, crazy. <laughs> I just think it's like what if what if they like held you ransom or something? But it was actually Rob, and yeah. it sounds like a good, it's not oh, an interesting movie. I'll yeah. say that. Oh my god. So, so what's like the corporate office like? Is it just you know, do they have all these mementos from uh, you know like Triple Mania posters everywhere, things like that, or is it just you know an office building? It's a converted house, but it's bigger than normal house, especially for Mexico City. It's because it's got tons of rooms, and they have a lot of mementos, especially in the lobby. They have old posters. They had a kind of tribute thing for Love Machine that we saw at one place. They had different, different you know, card posters from different events. They had we got to see they do the AAA Hall of Fame, and they don't really have an area where it's hanging, but they have a place where all the plaques are, and we got to see the two new ones they they unveiled at the last Triple Mania. Um, so, on the main floor, it's it's more AAA kind of promotional stuff, and then they have an upper floor, which more offices, the, the, the corporate head people offices, and they have a basement, which is just full of cubicles and the production room, and it's, that's more like a normal office you, you would see. Hmm. They, I see. So any they, they, took, oh, they had fifty people working there, and 
they had a lot of room, but I could not imagine 50 people all working there. Because I guess, you know, it's Mexico City. It's a big city. You don't have that much room to spread out and everything. And they didn't make the most of what the room they have. But it, that's a lot of people for one office. I guess so. I don't, I don't, I don't know if 50 people is uh, – I don't know if that, that's, that seems tiny, but I, I mean – I have no idea. Are they, is like a UFC situation where everyone's just enormously overworked or? I, I think. Yeah, you know, considering they just. I, I think they have some people doing a lot, handling a lot of different tasks there. Is what the impression mm. I got. So, I mean, I don't know how much detail you can get into, but what was the, the, the main message of the meeting? Was it just like, hey, you know, we have this vision. I know things are getting out now, but, you know, this is our plan that we're sticking to. Yeah, this is more, this is what our plan is. This is where we see ourselves with this promotion one, two, three, even four years down the line. It was kind of amazing. I guess, I mean, it's a business, it's a business plan. You have all the plans of where you want to be in 2017 all written down, but it was kind of amazing to see what they had, the depth of what they had planned. Um, It was, we got to, got some clarifications about why some things happened like they did and stuff that they weren't happy with that from those first couple tapings where I was most critical where they were, they were already making changes about what things, um, a lot of stuff about like the difficulties, the differences in working, running a promotion in Mexico and what us Indie workers expect and start asking for those kind of things. So, I mean, there's a lot of clarifications. There's a lot of big picture of where they want to be kind of stuff. And there was stuff about AAA Mexico too, and and just the overall Lucha Libre um, at environment and how, what things are doing. They were, you know, we were all happy to see um, CML anniversary show for free on Terror, but AAA was not so happy about that, seeing as their tr- company trying to sell those things for ten dollars. And th- mm-hmm. that was kind of big picture. That was kind of how different things affect how, what they end up doing kind of conversations. Uh, let's, let's talk about this Lucha Underground show. Now, I mean, it hasn't aired yet. You know, we don't, but like you said, they're making changes. We're not going to know the finished product, but like, like what were you thinking when you see things like Ezekiel Jackson there and Chavo Guerrero running amok and, uh, you know, all this, like, it, it's just, Sounds like it's going to play out like another uh, Wrestle Society X or you know the Lucha Show on MTV too. Yeah, I, I was. I, I think it also didn't help that just like that week before the taping started, there were all those indie names that came out that some of them had signed, some of them, many of them had signed or had turned down the contract. And you could think about, well, if they were doing indie, if they were going to use a lot of indie guys, at least it would be good. It would be popular indie guys. Let's say it that way. And then it wasn't popular in the guys because they didn't like the contract, and most of them just went on and did something else. And there were more anonymous or retread guys that, you know, that weren't just as – just it wasn't as appetizing. I mean, I wanted it to be something that was heavily AAA, but when it was only going to be five guys in AAA, I, wa- I would sell for something that would just had lots of good masters and entertaining stuff. And then when those first couple t- tapings came out, it didn't seem like it would even have that entertaining stuff. <laughs> yeah. I-, I think they did themselves a massive dis- disservice by not having everything, all their ducks in a row, with just all- having the contracts done to begin with, and having the visas done, which was just incredible. That Phoenix and Pentagon and Drago seemed like they're going to be three main guys on the show, but they couldn't even work the first two shows because after two years of build-up to this, somehow they cert- still weren't allowed in the U.S., it was just, there was, the first impression matters a lot, and they they got better with the, that second set of tapings, but that first impression was kind of was kind of distressing about how much, uh, this was a great opportunity, and they it didn't seem like they were going to make the most of it. Yeah, I think everyone, I don't want to say checked out when they heard that, but I don't think people were terribly enthused. Especially the visas thing, it's just like, oh, God, like, what, what are you doing? And, like, like I know, I know. Conan says that they, you know, want to appeal to as many people as possible. They're going to have a lot of different styles, but like, what's wrong with doing, you know, a triple A show and you know, doing American commentary? Like, clearly, you think this has this concept has merit to bring it to the United States, and it just seems like they're mucking with it to an absurd degree. 
I think part of the problem is that in the end of the day, it's not it's a, it's a triple it's a project AAA is involved with, but I think there are so many other people they had to bring aboard to get the project done in the U.S. that they have their own vision of what wrestling or literal labor is, and it's instead of just deferring to the people who know what what they're doing, they're kind of putting their own they're bringing their own guys into it, and the, those guys are putting their own influence on it. it I think hopefully over time it'll coalesce to something that's a lot more Lucha Libre, but it seems like it seems like there's just competing visions going on right now, and it's not quite all there yet. Hmm. I mean, they're doing like 39 episodes, so there's plenty of uh, yeah. There's plenty of there's yeah. 39, and I think they're only doing 39 because they got the light start that. If they started even sooner, they would have done even more episodes. They're planning on doing – I mean, this is going to be something where they take a couple months off for the summer, but they're kind of running continuously otherwise. So if it works, there's going to be a lot of it. If it doesn't work, there's going to be a lot of it. So hopefully it works. Oof. My goodness. All right. Let me check something here. Now, uh, I guess to kind of wrap up your trip, do you have early thoughts like – you're going to go back, whether for next year's anniversary show or, uh, you know, maybe go Triple Mania. Any early indications on that? I know everyone else in my group was completely set that they were coming back next year. Was it the one day or the other day? And Triple A expressly invited me to come to Triple Mania next year. So I may do that. I just haven't decided yet. I think the problem is, when I do uh, something where I'm reading websites and reading news, newspapers and have a healthy Google Translate right next to me, I can I feel like I have a good grasp of Spanish. When I'm actually in Mexico and trying to talk to people and trying to understand people, it's a good reminder that I don't know anything. So it, it, it's kind of – as someone who's used to doing stuff on their own completely most of the time, to have to be – help to even have simple conversations sometimes it just kind of frustrates me but i think when i'm actually at the shows and just you know literally for itself it doesn't mean any translation it's easy to follow so i don't know what i'm going to do i'm, I'm trying not to think that far in advance i think i probably end up being talked into going again but at this point i'm not sure if i'm going to do it or not yeah it just seems like nothing's going to top this trip from yeah experiences you like what's going to top the the Atlantis Ultimo Guerrero and getting invited to the AAA offices? You know, it just seems like no, yeah, it's not like CML is going to be offering me a visit anytime soon. So it's it's no, and it's not like someone's going to put on a bigger match. I mean, seeing Triple Mania in a big arena or seeing any AAA in a big arena would be a pretty interesting event. But otherwise, but otherwise, I'm not sure what big event there could be there. But just going there. Just hanging out with the friends I see once a year in Mexico City is also pretty good. So there's there's plenty of reasons to go if I decide to go. Hey, if AAA starts touring in the U.S., then uh, you won't have to go to Mexico. It'll come to you. <laughs> I can say that <laughs> maybe having knowledge that, that I, I may have to wait more than a year for that. Maybe not a lot more than a year, but, ah. but maybe a little bit more. Uh, then, uh, I did try to persuade. Then, uh, touring in, uh, <laughs> I did try to persuade them on running Chicago, and they said maybe eventually. So maybe eventually. Yeah. There's, there's no Dana White saying, "Yeah, we'll come to your hometown." No, no. So, uh, absolutely. That. So I think they won't be. Yeah, they won't be running in New England hotbed of Lucha Libre. No. Well, so actually, the yeah, uh, Lucha the Libre, you say, yeah, they did. They were so weird. They ran friggin' Springfield, Massachusetts, basically the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, I don't know, whatever. They were a unique. Experience. Have a. Yes, they certainly were. Uh, do you have any more thoughts from your trip? Any more? Were you at like a um, a memorabilia thing? I know there was a, a spot. We went to um, a Lucha Libre Expo on I think the last Saturday they were there, where it was more random indie workers than anything that most people want to see. It'd be like the dreads of WrestleCon, I guess. <laughs> Because there could be the people that existed or never knew existed for the most part. But there was, like, at one of the tables, it was um, Archangel de la Muerte and um, Isis, who accompanies him to all his matches. And the fascinating backstory, she was selling, Isis was selling all this random Dragon Gate stuff. And the, the backstory is that when Ida was living in Mexico, um, Isis and Ida were together. 
and now they are very much not together. So, and he left oh. the bag behind. So that bag is still <laughs> piece by piece. So, oh no! Be careful before you break up with uh, Mexican luchadors because you, your stuff may go. <laughs> Something gets sold at at a swap. Well, so many. Oh my goodness! There's many important lessons you can learn from just wandering around Mexico, and that's one of them. I bet there's plenty you could learn wandering around Mexico. My goodness! And uh, I know you sent me a care package, so to speak, from Mexico. It's not arrived yet, oh, but I'm uh, actually awaiting. I can see the stuff in the care package still sitting on my um, desk. I have a lot of stuff that I have not actually got done that I'm supposed to get done for Mexico. So, um, I have worked with this. It's not profit. Yeah, I won't go check my mailbox after this show. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of tradition, since, uh, like we did last year, I will ask you about the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. And is uh, your entire ballot just going to be candidates from Mexico? Yeah, that's what I've done every year. I've done it. It's just even though I know, cause I, I don't claim to know anything about Japan or Europe or miscellaneous. That's not miscellaneous. And I know like half the U.S. names, but I don't know. I don't really know about the other half, and I don't really care to think that much deeply about it. I'd rather leave it to people who really. I mean, even for the whole ballot, I'd rather leave it up for people who really care deeply. But since. There isn't that many people who vote for Lucha Libre. I figure I might as well keep on voting for the same people. So that's pretty much what I do. So uh, everyone but Vampiro is, uh, doesn't make the cut, I guess. It, it, yeah, I'm trying to remember who's on it. I, I think Vampiro definitely usually don't end up voting for him because it was just such a large – because I heard this commentary, but also because it was such a, it was a short period. <laughs> But um, and I probably won't vote for Hector Garza because Hector Garza was not—he was around for a long time and he was top for a little bit, but he wasn't as big a deal as some of the other people. Um, I think the only other one I'm questionable about not voting for is the Brazos because, but the, I think that's a lot of perspective because the period I followed literally very closely was the period where the Brazos was kind of all jokes and kind of hanging on past yeah. the career. But if you look back, for especially the 80s and maybe a little bit early 90s, they were big stars, so maybe they deserve some credit. I mean, I, I feel the Signo Tejano Navarro team should be in easily, and I feel like there's other people in that group, like Volano 3, who should be in easily, and just Carlos Lagarde is another one I have a tough time because it's like he's a guy of the 60s and 70s, and there's just in 50s, and there's not a lot written about stuff before that first tenure peak, for whatever reason, it, mm. especially not a lot written in English. So I, I, I struggle with him sometimes, but just ask. One of the things I did in Mexico was try to ask people about some of these guys, and everyone was so high in Lagarde that I feel I feel dumb if I didn't vote for him. So I'm probably voting for him. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to vote for Ultimo Guerrero. Um, he had because he was kind of. I, but I can tell that all the wrestlers completely respect him and felt like he was the best guy for so many years. It's just that he wasn't the big draw as some of the other guys who were on this list. Yeah, although he has great timing and yeah. <laughs> pulling the largest gate in, uh, in uh, the history of his country yeah. <laughs> right around the time. Either he gets in this year or he's probably going to be a guy who has to wait for him to die or something to get in, as morbid as that is. The losing the mask and then dying seems to be the two best ways to suddenly increase your votes on this thing. Yeah, sadly that uh, that is the case. I'm surprised some people were so high on him. I thought he was one of the weaker names on the on the Mexican ballot. But I mean, honestly, the, the ballots are stacked. You could just fill everyone from Mexico, leave out Vampiro and Garza, and you've got a solid case for yeah. pretty much everyone. Yeah, I, 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 now, I'm um, hoping that some of these guys actually go in this year, so it kind of narrows down a little bit more. Uh, we got uh, a couple... We got Dr. Wagner Sr. in Atlantis last year, and I know Sin Karras is on the chopping block if he doesn't get in, but, I mean, it's it's hard. Like, you know, you look at the Brazos, you try to find out, you know, okay, how'd they draw? And it's that information's real hard to come by. Yeah, it, it's... It, it's not... Even... I picked up a whole bunch of um, old Lutra magazines. I've been looking online the last maybe a year about older Lutra Libre stuff just for the research purposes. Even if I can't put it together for a story, at least I can find the facts and someone else can put it together for a story. And it, it, 
even when people write about shows, they still really write about exactly how many people were at the shows or what the crowd even thought about the shows. You get the results, you get whatever, if something screwy happened, or sometimes you just even get the, get to the lineup and then no one seems to write about the show itself. So it's, I don't, there's just not the depth of information there is for the older Mexican candidates as it seems like there are for all the other categories. And sometimes that's, that's, it makes it frustrating to make a case for these guys. I actually uh, wrote to Dave and just asked if anyone had ever tried to put El Dandy on the ballot, given his, you know, long tenure of quality work. And, you know, he's had plenty of uh, the matches. I imagine all drew well. I mean, some of them were, were hard to find. And he said that, you know, no one's ever asked. But he said uh, it's hard to justify because, you know, the with WCW, his perception but, I mean, it's kept LaParca from getting in. He said LaParca was ten times the star of Dandy. I don't know about that, but, I mean, unfortunately, he's probably right. Like, you can just imagine the hilarious jokes people would make if they saw his name on the ballot. But I, it's still hard to kind of make a case. I, I can imagine the one joke that they would make over and over and over yeah. again, Dandy. Yes. Yeah, I love Bret Hart, but I curse him for <laughs> making that joke. So, that is hard. But uh, we shall see. I mean... It's yeah, it's gonna be. I hope to see some names in there. They're definitely deserving names. Like if you, if there's someone with a ballot who's listening and they're not, like who are a couple names who would say, hey, these people definitely deserve your attention. Do some research, vote for them. I feel like Milano Three deserves attention as one of as one of the top guys in the UWA for majority of his run, and even though he's a lighter weight guy and connect. And those scares were ahead of him. He was still. They cycled through the different guys on top enough that he was on top and then drawing feuds. And he was considered by everyone who worked with him as one of the best workers during his peak. So I think he's a guy who, just because UWA isn't exposed as much, isn't isn't captured on film as much as it, it hurts his candidacy. But I think he's probably one of the best guys on the ballot. And then I think the missionaries de la Merte. I feel like maybe I'm completely off base and I've just been reading the wrong things, but it feels like they were the guys who popularized Trio's wrestling as we know it today with the, um, with the, with the being a guy down and the comebacks and all the ways the falls were laid out. That if everyone in Mexico has completely adopted this style for the last 30 years and the guys who innovated it should get some credit, I know that really hasn't helped, um, Rock and Roll Express too much. Yeah, there's kind of like the, the Mexican versions of them in, in, as heels instead of as faces. But then, but these guys are also, Signo was thought of as a, as a top worker, Tejano was thought of as a top worker, and everyone loves Negro Navarro now, even though he was like the third guy on the team back then. So, I, I, I think it helps them that Trio's wrestling did mean more in Mexican tag team wrestling sometimes as mean in the U.S. There were more times where the, like the long story, where the missionaries were on top as the most important thing in the promotion and that they were touring around as the champions when that being the champions meant something. So maybe that gives them extra points. But I think those are two that I think need to be in this year. I think the Cian Curse could use the help and I think Cian Curse, um, deserves to be in, but you have more knocks out of him with some of his less than stellar wrestling performance. And I don't think you have the same thing you could say against those other two candidates. All righty. Yeah, seeing Kairos on the chopping block. I just remember, uh, God, I, I, I started watching him. He was, like, in his 50s, and he had those terrible matches. And I was like, yeah. But then, you, I mean, you look at what he did, and he was a humongous star that, for, you know, deserves to go in, I feel. But um, I imagine he'll end up in the dustbin of history at this point. I don't, it's gonna be interesting to see what that fifty percent does, if that or that fifteen year thing does, if that pushes some people who were kind of borderline like Cian was to get people behind them for one big push and put them farther, or if that, that kind of wipes out people before they should be, and then in three or four years we're revaluing and some of these people come back anyways. I'm not quite sure which way it'll go. Are there any like you like the bill after Stanley Weston is uh, is endlessly debated, but magazines in Mexico were you know, considerably more important than in the U.S., especially during the period there was no television. Are there any names you can, like, say, like, hey, this person ran this magazine with an editorial mind that should be on the ballot and should and deserves to go in? Well, 
there's a magazine I'm reading through that's some digital copies called Literal Library, just Literal Library, that um, if, I want to see if I'm following a story or not. But there's the guy who was in charge of it, his name was like Valiente Perez, and he was the guy who came up with the Mill Mets first gimmick, and he came up with other gimmicks oh. through the years. And it seems like he's a guy who publicized guys through his magazine and helped was part of the creative process. And I think he probably belongs – He definitely deserves to be on the ballot in some fashion and probably deserves to be in. But I'm not an expert in that kind of literary library, so maybe I'm overthinking what he had, but I think he's the guy who deserves a lot more examination and involvement in this process at some point. That's very interesting. All right, well, that, that should be another project for you yeah. put that together. The, the, this project, when, the... when Steve starts doing his books, then Steve can write about him, oh, too. Man. Steve needs to write about, like, that time of history, because that's just, like – especially in English language, it's just a black hole of information, and someone needs to fill that up. I would gladly read that book. Yeah. I mean, about ten other people, I feel, but still. Yeah. This may be something where you're doing it um, a little for 20 people, but it'll still be good. All right, we have one last topic, the most important topic of all tonight. Ninja Turtles are coming. Yes. Why don't you explain to the people? This is crazy because at the um, Holiday Inn we were staying at, there's a there's a poster in the lobby for um, Ninja Turtles movie. The movie that just came out this summer that came out in August there, and I, I'm assuming someone in IWG went to this movie and thought, oh yeah, we had Ninja Turtles before, we should bring those back. <laughs> and then two months after the movie's out, everyone's forgotten the movie. The movie I. I didn't see it. It didn't sound like it was that good. But they decided, we're going to bring the Ninja Turtles back. And so the Ninja Turtles are back next week. I mean, there were, back in the 90s when we had the first Ninja Turtles go around, there were actually two different Ninja Turtle groups in Mexico. So we have a vast history of Ninja Turtles running amok. And everyone likes cartoons. There it is. Everyone likes cartoon characters. They can rip off and turn through a gimmick. So this works on so many different levels. It's, yeah, I mean, um, I... I like they're coming back now. I remember AULL had some like yeah. you know seven years ago. If you go on YouTube, there was some in uh, Grand Hamada's UWF, the uh, Tortugas Karatakas. Yes, Karate Turtles. When we were at the Exo Masters, um One of the guys who was one of those the Tortugas Karate was there, and he was selling a mask. He was selling the original Ninja Turtle mask. Uh, it was my regret that I didn't ask him if he's going to be one of the IWRG ones again, because you never know. Oh, my God. The return of the Ninja Turtles. It's just, IWRG loves its wacky gimmicks, and it loves its wacky gimmicks for about a month, and then those people do something, and they're they're gone for life. So it's a very odd remote. <laughs> I, I think IWRG, even more than CML, speaks to the importance of owning your building that you're running in. I, I know you had some bad experience this past weekend when someone – did not have control the yeah. building. If you own your building, you can run shows where like 30 people show up and it's good enough. And that allows IWRG to do some wacky things like bring back third or fourth ninja, generation Ninja Turtles and whatever else they do. Yeah, there is nothing, um, God, you watch, there's nothing funnier than like grown men beating up a man in a Ninja Turtle yeah. and like kicking him and stuff. I was just crying watching this, but yeah, that's. That's wonderful. I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking. I think I'm looking forward to the first match with the new ones, and then I've, about, about match number four, I might be done with them. But they'll just be music one match. <laughs> oh, wonderful! All right. Well, no, no way we can get any better than that unless tackle uh, decides to fuse with the Ninja Turtles, which I can only hope. But um, why don't you uh, tell the fine people where they can find more out about Lucha Libre from you? I have the Lucha blog which is like one click over from wherever you're listening to this, that I do daily news <laughs> updates, and then I do recaps of shows when I get around to it. And the thing that people actually go to is for the all the videos I have of all of Lucha Libre. You can also find those on YouTube.com slash The Cup Stand or Daily Motion at the same site. I post them Tuesdays sometimes with everything you can find and stuff that other people can find that I can't find. So there's usually a few good matches in there. And some and there's plenty of old matches to look at too. And then I also have the site called thecubfan.com where I have a whole bunch of people who podcast for me for no particular reason. I don't pay them any money, but they keep on <laughs> producing content. Sometimes multiple people on the same day. It's kind of crazy. I can't believe I got I've gotten away with a scam so long, but just don't tell the people who are running it. They haven't figured out that they probably should be asking for something. 
Wait, what's all this? Never mind. No, you have quite the, the, the podcasting network. It's pretty much all of us just appearing on the other shows, but still. <laughs> but still, still good. Still. It's still shows still that good. I would totally be listening to if they were, weren't on my site, so I'm kind of surprised that they are on my site. Well, there you go. And um, that is right. And uh, also the Lucha blog is the Twitter. Yeah. And I don't know if you have a Tumblr or whatever I, I, else, but uh, I, I, I have it. a Tumblr. I have an Instagram password I forgot. I have all the stuff. I'm not on, I'm not on Ello or whatever the new one that came out last week, but give me some time and I'll work on that. I saw Tom Green on like oh, I signed up for this. I'm like, is this made up? I don't know what this is. I don't. I don't I'm not even really sure what Tumblr is to be honest. I think Tumblr's where you just where if you're like 19 and angsty, or if you have some jets post. That's what I understand it for. Also, <laughs> Scott Creech's posts all sorts of good stuff. This is the one Tumblr blog actually pay attention to is his, because he loses his mind every so often and decides, I'm going to re- write a match about everyone on the PWA 500, and you just get to see how far he goes <laughs> before he loses his mind. It's good times. Oh, speaking about losing your mind on the PWA 500, how, um, <laughs> forget about this, too, that was just, I, I they seem to try to take it from a, a Kate Fade standpoint, like, well, Tariq Lay is the world heavyweight champion, so he should be the highest one. When they largely ignore that title and make him lose when they bother to book him, so that like you know would it have been that hard to just give you a call and be like, hey, we're this is what we're thinking about. How does it sound? Well, they they gave Zellner a call and Chris had him like terribly. Oh. He had it between one hundred and two hundred, which would have been fine. But then the people in charge yeah. of PWI who don't pay attention, which will your brains up. He's heavyweight champion for all year. He must be awesome. <laughs> so oh, I, I think they have some some. Good people handing in numbers, and then they have to make them feel more like PWI. And I think in the end of the day, I'm never a person who ever bought a PWI, so I'm not the market they're going for. But maybe the people they are just that's kind of that's how they want to see their Kate Bay wrestling, so it works for them. But it just made no sense to me that the guy who who has done whatever he's done, or that CML's got bored with him, just loses all the time. Is the 20th best wrestler in the world, but. Gonna do. <laughs> oh, Triple A needs to call them in for a uh, yeah, yeah, meeting at the principal's office. Triple A didn't barely make the list, so they'll <laughs> be all over with uh, Mosher Underground. But that's the other thing I've noticed is that once you start writing about stuff that not only people can see but people can see in the U.S. channels, a lot more people are interested in it than when you're just writing about stuff in Mexico. So I figure it's probably going to be a long, interesting year for my blog. And hopefully one a good year where I get to watch stuff I like. All right, that's, that's a good note to end on. I'm going to give uh, Rob's uh, Twitter is Rob Viper13, I think, but he is uh, an excellent Twitter. He you know follow along on the, those wonderful CMLL Sunday shows, yeah. and uh, always good thoughts on him. And you, and uh, as for me, besides this podcast, you can now read my weekly podcast column at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, a um a deal brokered by the Cubs fan who threatened me with vague threats that if I did not get this put on a higher higher platform, it has been done so. You can find it every Friday at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, Funtime Arcade, I will get a new episode recorded if I can figure out how to not have news in the background when I'm recording. It's a new weird thing at my house when I, I just try to record it. I guess I'm picking up signals from a nearby tower. So you get the news, too, as I break down the uh, latest and greatest video games. And um, I'll try to get that record soon. So a good week for the brand overall, once I put this out. I'm pleased. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Because I miss – you guys haven't had one of those in a while. And like, I know, yeah. I moved. I got lazy. Yeah, and then Tom Green hasn't been podcasting much. Or what I realized is that my, my thing stopped downloading Tom Green podcasts. So there's like a month old – there's like two weeks old ones that I've just found out today I had. But I need, I need more content oh, on the Tom Green Enterprises to, live, to line up my days. That used to be uh, huge, and now it's like it got in yeah. the quarter, I think. That's just uh, too bad, but they're no match for the Mighty Cubs fan podcasting network. I don't know. <laughs> Seven shows a year we do combine. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I thank you again for coming on, and uh, we'll have you back on again should you return to Mexico or anything newsworthy happens, perhaps after the Underground debuts, perhaps flames out. We shall see. But um, 
Remember, the next time uh, Conan says, you don't matter, you can tell him, hey, your boss called me in the chat, so yeah. boom. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right, that's going to do it. I will get back to work on 1996. Looking at November for that, I'm done through, uh, halfway through May. So uh, I should be done up through King of the Ring. We'll get that out and uh, get people off my back. So that's going to do it for me. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again. <laughs>